For May 8th, 2023, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 775. This is the most sacred part of a Kanye West song. Welcome to Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The Overthinkers are your smart, funny friends from the internet. We're never happier than when we are hanging out together, enjoying, you know, the the, the works of art, the works of, of popular culture, the works of entertainment that we love, and enjoying one another's company as well. I'm Matt Rather. I'm here with uh, my good friends, uh, Mr. Pete Fenzel. Hello, Pete. How are you? I know, Matt. I'm doing okay. Feeling very socially comfortable right now. That's good. I'm very, I'm very glad. And and uh, Mark, Mark Lee. Hello, Mark. How are you? It's great to see you. I'm doing great. Um, although here there are you know social norms and values and things like that about the community, and I'm frankly not sure about when I violate them or not. I I so I'm just I'm just out here just doing my thing, man. But I know out there it's like oh. Well, I just Science want a minefield, man. I, it minefield. is, it is a minefield. And in that minefield, I just want to say, Mark and Pete, that, you know, I just, uh, we've been friends for so long and I just want you to know that I really care about you. I just really sincerely care about you and that I have, you know, authentic feelings of, 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 uh, you know, friendship and high, high esteem and regard for, uh, for you guys. And, and I just, you know, I just, uh, I just care about you guys so much. And I just really sincerely want to say sincerely, you know, that, uh, you know, that I, that I, uh, that I care about you both. Is this an intervention, Matt? Uh, Matt, no cap. <laughs> no cap. No cap. No cap. Yeah. Okay. It's, uh, <laughs> No, man. I uh, sorry. I don't. I don't know Gen Z. I, I was. I was hoping someone would tell me that I'm being cringe. Oh no, no. That actually, I actually thought you were being earnest and sincere, and it was actually appropriate. No, I, 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 I am thought being. You're I was thought you were saying the in- intervention from the Melanie sketch, which uh, <laughs> stand up thing, which we'll talk about in a little bit. <laughs> no, that that's what I. I mean, th- this is what I think. Look, I I saw a tweet. <laughs> so many podcasts begin this way. Look, guys, <laughs> I saw this tweet right, and it was from uh, Emily Nussbaum, who was the um, the uh, critic at the uh, the television critic at the New Yorker, um, and I, I think she's like a, like a writer at large or staff writer or something like that. Now, but she but she won a prize for for television criticism when she was when she was writing that column, and this tweet was, "I love you, Gen Z, but now I love this tweet already." Right? I'm sorry, I have, I have to, <laughs> <laughs> I have to, I have to break in, right? Because uh, what it's you know the, in the same way that in the the Fenzelian definition, the phrase "in a way." Uh, as a sentence adverb, as a, you know, as the start of a sentence, right, means uh, what I am about to say is false. Uh, I love you, X. I, you know, I love you, blank. But uh, seems to mean I do not love you, blank. <laughs> I uh, I want to. (laughs) I am critical of you. I love you, Gen Z, but you are wrecking your brain by labeling everything as mid, basic, cringe, problematic, or sus, and it will ultimately bite you in the butt, even if you are an Aquarius. (laughs) Now. Uh, this, we need to unpack this a little bit here. This is like, bad. Can, yeah. can, can you go like in reverse order? Like, is the uh, uh, the Aquarius bit like some ref? Or is Gen Z really into astrology? Is that what's going on here? Is that a thing? Is that well, yeah? I mean, haven't you seen haven't you seen Instagram like ten 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 signs that your therapist is an Aquarius or something like? Uh, you know, um, no. I mean, I think that there's I, I think that there's something interesting here but it's like it's packed in in a lot of styrofoam peanuts of uh uh you know that i would rather discard because i think the the interesting the interesting insight is um you know the the interesting insight is is there right but um but kind of packed. I love you, Gen Z, but you are wrecking your brain. Well, okay. What is, I'm sorry. What? Who's wrecking? Who's, who's brain, right? Like, uh, I, I don't know. Um, but I, the, the way I take this is like, there's actually something detrimental about the practice 
of quote unquote labeling everything as and then this cat this catalog of of like Gen Z slang terms, right? Um yep. that like uh there there's a problem there's a problem and I think what she's saying is that that either like uh uh cynical reflexive um contempt for things rather than curiosity or a kind of snap judgment sort of mentality about uh about social phenomena um is is you know a double edged sword right and and whereas it seems to um confer on you some sort of social status because you can like drag someone on twitter you know by calling them a name um that like uh it, in the end the that that sword cuts you as well uh you know because it it has two edges um and you you want to prefer the single edged sword of sincerity no i don't, i actually don't know what would uh what would work even if you are an aquarius is just snotty and uh you know has has no place in the um has has no place in the in the critique that i would like to pursue and i i've sort of noticed this on you know especially with the term cringe which seems to mean embarrassing or humiliating but uh gets i think widely applied uh to more situations than like someone embarrassing or, or humiliating themselves. Right. Like, I don't know, someone's saying something, uh, right. Like, I don't know. Is your grandpa being racist cringe? Right. Like probably. Yes. But then like, is a, sometimes it's like sincere or, you know, slightly sloppy, uh, you know, expressions of affection or sincere feelings, sincerely felt, uh, things, if they're not like well presented, you know, like if they're human are, you know, dismissed as cringe. And I think that, that the, there it's being, the term is being sort of misapplied or it's being, it's being stretched beyond its usefulness or it's being, um, actually, uh, it's, it's being actually used in, in a, used in a harmful way. That's why, where if I thought I, ju- if I just said something that was like sweet and sincere and like, you know, uh, about, about friendship and about, about um you know caring about my friends like uh, caring about you two guys my friends like someone someone could call me cringe and we could um uh and you know we could hop into the to the topic from from there but here we are 15 minutes later and that has not happened that well, uh, Matt, I think the, <laughs> I think the tweet uh, resides in a particular mind space that is one of uh confirmation or availability bias I think it's it's not necessarily the case that everything is cringe or sus. Was it? What's the? What's the litany? Uh, mid, cringe, mid, mid, basic, cringe, <laughs> problematic, or sus. Now, I, okay. I, I yeah. don't think all those terms are of equal value, uh, mm. or like, or, or like, I don't think that's, that's. I actually don't think of all all of those terms are of equal providence either, right? Well, yeah, like, yeah, that's the right pr- one. Yeah, problem, exactly. Problematic, I I feel like predates, you know, belongs to a culture war that predates the the present culture war. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say mid cringe and sus are a set, and and basic is maybe on the outskirts of that set, and problematic is definitely not part of that set. That's my instinct. Yeah, I don't know. Is that is that what your gut check is telling you yes, as well? Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Right. Um, so so what I would suspect is that. This person is not actually privy to every label that these particular people are giving to everything uh, because they only encounter their, uh, you know, performance in the public square, as it were. Right. And so, like, there are probably things that they are dealing with privately or in other private conversations, more private conversations uh, that are not being labeled as those things or that maybe should be. Maybe, I mean, maybe it's the kind of thing where being to use another term that might fit better, uh, terminally online, right? Uh, might uh, might be characterized by allowing these taxonomies to overly dictate your overall preponderant feelings about everything. Um, because I think it, when I one of the intuitions that I have about Gen Z, and I don't really know if it's if it's true or not, because um, obviously I don't know them at all, uh, is that. You know, they understand social media performance better than I do. Sure. And, uh, and also they keep more of their life private than uh, older people think they do. 
because they've seen the negative consequences of putting everything out there in public. They're much more comfortable performing in a social persona uh, uh, online through kind of, you know, self-publishing than than us stupid older generations who just had every argument about every subject all the time until literally everyone left and the whole thing just sort of smells like mildew. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, uh, you're describing, you're you. describing yeah. Facebook. Exactly. I yeah. was describing Facebook, the, but the, the awful smell when you go back to Facebook and it's I think, just like, man, I think that's, I, that's interesting. And that's, that's the thing that's actually really, that's the thing that's actually really different is that there is something because a little bit like what there, you know, this generation has slang now and we, we middle-aged <laughs> people are like, you know, Oh, how dare they, you know, like you have gone too far, you know, you sort of stepped over the line. You have slang. No. Or is it like they have, you know, I don't know, uh, a defensive, uh, you know, prejudged contempt for, you know, for things like, uh, I've, I've one word from you, a word from the nineties, whatever. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, like, that, that, when someone says there's no word that's quite like mid, I was like, well, whatever was a lot like mid. Sure. I mean, different to different contexts, but whatever, right. Like, uh, gag me with a spoon as it were. But um, the, but, the, yeah. the, the thing that you're saying about like, it actually is right. Cause the thing, the thing that people say, the thing that people in my, my line of work and the, the, like the computery line of work say is that like, this is a generation that doesn't care about privacy settings. Right. Um, that, and that they're okay, like sharing information and kind of revealing all kinds of things and like live, having a lot of information, uh, about themselves online. But what you're saying, Pete, which I think is, is interesting and true is that, yeah, but what is that information? Right. Yeah. Like you can't, I, you can't like identify that information entirely as, you know, the true facts about, about right. them on God, no cap, you know, the, uh, <laughs> Uh, you can't that that like um, you know that that what what is going on is a sort of sophisticated is a sophisticated kind of performance performance of self and kind of performance of uh you know I don't know social social kind of functions like like very very particular you know kinds of like speech acts and and sort of speech yeah. performance. That's what, you know, um, that is what is, uh, you know, this generation is, is flooding online. And they're, they're, I think they're much, much better at it than, than we olds because they're sort of native. Um, you know, they're, they're native to the, uh, to the medium. Um, yeah, sus is a great example. I know, sure. I know sus isn't our subject, but just to hit sus real fast. Uh, do, I mean, I used to play online forum mafia uh-huh. you know like 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 way like years and years ago i would play games of mafia you know the game where you would you know who's the secret assassin who's gonna you know kill people and you you discuss and then you close your eyes and the mafia choose who to kill and you can play this on a forum using direct messages versus public posts sure. and um and the games that i played would get really involved and will last for months um but one of the big truisms about it was that generating content was townish was a term that we would use uh, as in like the more you talked, it was better because it was better for the town, the town being the people who are not the mafia, because if you have more information to go from, then it is a lot easier to spot who is lying, uh, and that, or who is like lying or manipulating or just not playing it straight, who is more likely to be in, you know, the mafia. Um, and, uh, uh and this is, I think part because human brains are like social pattern recognition machines. Right. And, and uh, we, we could, if you give us a whole ton of disorganized information, we can surprisingly well adjudicate certain things about it. And the thing about sus is of course it comes out of the among us, you know, moment, mm. which I would not dismiss as a minor moment. I feel like it was kind of a major moment because I feel like a lot of people got really, really good at playing among us it, like much, much better than I ever was at playing online forum mafia. You know, the games would last, you know, minutes and would have, you know, sophistic, you know, judgments of the sophistication level that I was used to from games that lasted, you know, weeks or months. Um, at least some of the stuff that I would, you know, watch online streamers, streamers playing and stuff. Of course, then there's also the ones where you just show up and everyone's like, you're sus, you're sus. And then they all vote you out and the game is over and you don't even get to talk because you're still typing. Well, actually, if you pay attention to where I was walking when I was doing my, my tasks, right? Like, it's like, no, you don't get to type that much. That's not how this works. (laughs) Uh, the point being that like, I feel like I love these words mid cringe and sus. I think they're all great words. I basic and problematic are not of the set. So I'm not ignoring them. Um, 
And sus I particularly like because I think it really does reflect a skill. The ability to instantly identify whether something is disem- potentially dissembling or like not – I would describe it as not townish as a rough – uh, synonym, which of course also refers to a whole bunch of things. We could go all into like what is sus, what is not sus, and the ability to make uh, snap judgments about what is sus or not is both a huge problem, right? Because the human brain works off of biases, and that's how it shortcuts these decisions. Uh, and then also, you know, a sign of, of some some skill, problematic skill, but skill nonetheless. So I would not dismiss. The, I don't. I hear people dismissing these words as being like lacking in meaning, uh, and or lacking in signification or semantic content at least. And I would totally disagree. I think these are all solid words. And I love. No, oh yeah, words. totally. And better. Yeah. yeah, better than like. It's kind. Of, it's it's kind of like what you're saying bad, but it means good. <laughs> fat doesn't mean fat it means fat <laughs> like, <laughs> like mad fat crazy stupid <laughs> stupid with two o's of course you know then we had we could get i don't want to not attribute the obvious you know ways that's that these sort of slang terms come about in different communities and then go into other communities but that's not what we're talking about today so uh, I want to like tip my hat to it, lampshade it, and then move on. So, Pete, I'm I'm with you on sus. Uh, uh, I'm a, I'm a fan of that word. I, I like how you kind of have to suss out the suspicion yes. and therefore and to find out whether or not something is sus. Right? It kind of works. Uh, there's a um, I like just that that uh, uh, implied wordplay. It is probably yeah. not explicit, but it's implied. At least that's that's my head cannon for sus. Um, but cringe, cringe. I feel like I might be have been misinterpreting it, or like you know that has. Uh, that actually predates um, whatever this moment of Gen Z slang that we're having right now. Um, and I feel like when I brought it up in the context of uh, Mulaney's material, I might have been like using it uh, slightly differently. So can I at least like start like what I thought cringe meant? Yeah, yeah, and, for sure. And then well, we'll I mean, again, these are we're being uh, descriptive. We're trying to be descriptive rather than prescriptive, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is it? What does it mean when you use it? Yeah, I thought it referred to Ir- causing irregardless discomfort. of what you think it means. Irregardless, <laughs> we're yes. being descriptive, like the editors of Webster's Third. Sorry, Mark. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I thought it had primarily to do with causing um, a certain type of discomfort um, for an audience, a type of story that causes discomfort for an audience. I, I'm, like cringe humor, like has been a thing oh, for yeah. like uh, for like a, a solid decade. And I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to come up with certain examples. Maybe like Ricky Gervais's The Office. Is like has a certain amount oh, of yeah, cringe totally humor because like like everybody like you know the Michael the the boss is the boss um, makes everybody uncomfortable and in, in the show and the audience as well like you're cringing that is the the, the feeling that you get there. I, mean, um, I know this stuff very well because uh, my wife hates it, so I watch that stuff by myself. So I have to know <laughs> whether a show there is cringe humor or not. Yeah, like right. Nathan so, Nathan Fielder a lot. I think yeah. a lot of that stuff. I think you should mm-hmm. leave with Tim Robinson. Yeah, a lot. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I. Thought that Mulaney's most recent comedy special would be cringy because he very directly addresses the rather difficult few years he's had in his personal life, in which he admitted he had a, he he faced up with his drug problem, went to rehab, divorced his wife, um, and shortly after leaving his his wife, um, proceeds to have a child with Olivia Munn. Uh, right. And I think the other important, other important context is this is like, I think it was, he had I, in his standup had established um, that he did not want to become a father. He didn't want oh, to have okay. a kid. That was like part of his whole act. Um, and I thought that like him kind of putting all of his dirty laundry out there would be cringy, would make me feel uncomfortable because he's trying to make light of his difficult situation and him being, frankly, I've been a bad, haven't been a bad person. Now, I saw like 30 minutes of the special and I could see the whole thing. And Matt, I understand that you actually saw live that material live. Um, but like the long way around the barn, there is a like Mulaney's special is not cringy, um, at least by that definition I'm working on, because Mulaney is very good at his craft about stand up comedy. And like he doesn't and he has always been very good at that I and mean, very skilled. And he his shtick has never been to make people uncomfortable in that kind of way. So even when he's talking about like pretty raw stuff from his rehab experience, um, he, he makes it just sound like, like easy and pleasurable. <laughs> Oddly enough are the words that I would use. Um, so I, I, like I'm putting that out there as like probably like maybe not the, the best way to talk about cringe, but at least it's like 
a certain type of counterexample. It's also an excuse to talk about Dom Lee's humor because I find which I find very interesting as well. So like I don't know, Matt, like I might want to toss it to you since you 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 you're more familiar with that the, the millennium material in question and see like uh, if you agree that it does or does not meet a certain any certain definitions of cringe. I mean, he's talking about some some like upsetting and and humiliating and and you know uh stuff he's ashamed of like uh in in his life a little bit like he he talks about you know being a drug addict and like the bad things he did when he was a drug addict and some of the things that he did for drugs you know and then like the the intervention that is his colleague staged for him um and and not staged for him that that sounds trivializing that that you know p- that people in his life participated in and and stuff like it's so is it a, you know it's I don't know. It's very, uh, what messy. That's a, that's a, uh, slang term, isn't it? Um, it's, uh, very chaotic. There's another, uh, term, but it's not, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like it doesn't have the, it doesn't have the character of being in the moment of faux pas. Uh, Right. And I think that that's the like, right. like talking like I, I think the claim, I think one of the power claims made by sort of call, calling something cringe is right. Like uh, that shouldn't be said. That shouldn't be said in this context. Um, you know, one one or the other things. And and it's not, you know, it's a every, everyone's there to see the to see the stand up comedy special. And I think like even if it's even if it's uncomfortable material to talk about, we can say that it's, you know, good to talk about that particular uncomfortable subject, right? Like it's, it's good for people to talk about like their, their recovery and their, you know, um, their experience with that stuff. And so, so that's good. But like, is it uh, like to, yeah, to me, I think that the, the word is bleeding into two different, um, is bleeding into to two different things. One is like, ah, oh, this makes me feel uncomfortable. And the other is that like, oh, you've done something bad. You've like, you've transgressed socially. Right. Some, yeah. Somehow. Which, and which I, arguably he has. Well, sure, but not in the telling. It's not the right. saying, it's not yeah. doing the special that's the, that's the, uh, you know, cringe worthy thing. It's all the, the terrible behavior, uh, that he did as a drug addict because drug addicts do terrible things because <laughs> they want drugs. Um, so the, the, uh, like, uh, more than they want anything, <laughs> more than they want anything. Um, the, uh, yeah, so that's the the uh, and I'm sorry, I said I, I don't mean to to you know make light of of people's struggles. My my family is blessed with a great deal of drug addiction all up and down the the family tree. I've just been through the ringer uh, a number of times, and so I have a kind of gallows attitude about it. Um, the yeah, so that's that's that that's what the power claim is. But I think that that the the problem comes in the slippage between the two words, which is that like one. I feel uncomfortable. I feel out of my element. I feel, you know, um, anxious, right? Like some, something, uh, unpleasant to me and you're doing something wrong. Um, and I think that that, you know, that sort of push pull old as the hills, right? Like as old as human relationships gets enacted in a, in a really particular way online with, uh, calling, calling things cringe. I don't know, Pete, you want to jump in on this one? Yeah, for sure. I definitely think I, I hadn't even thought about cringe humor as part of the discussion, but it's definitely worth it to draw a line between the two. I would suggest also that the concept of shame is involved in these sorts of things and how you deal with shame. Uh, you know, showing vulnerability about your shame is something that is not cringe. Uh, <laughs> I guess is, is is one thing I would say, but but here's here's the most basic. And again, this is how I use it. And I get I when I use words like this, I love to think through. Okay, what's what am I actually what what are the examples that feel like they fit it, and the examples that don't feel like they fit it, and how do they form what I think this word means? And I tend to assume, not not presume, conclude that words like this have pretty precise meanings in general usage, even more precise than people know, because they only feel right in certain kinds of situations. But like, I would say that it's important that cringe is a predicate adjective, right? Like that is cringe, right? It's not like, and it's not, it is cringy, which you said right. also while you were saying it. So, because, because when you're saying, what you're saying when you're saying that is cringe is you're giving a verbal, you're, you're giving a, a combination of a verb and an object in the sense that that is making me cringe, right? Um, 
And rather than that is cringy, uh, in which you're describing, you're more describing the the subject, I guess. Uh, like there, there's a process that someone undergoes when they are saying that something else. Well, there's a process that is being described when someone is is uh, using the term is cringe, which refers to an emotional experience that they are having on behalf of somebody else while sort of experiencing what they're doing, as opposed to cringy, which is a descriptor for the thing that they are doing. Like, I am describing the thing that you're doing versus I'm describing an experience that I'm having. And because of the different usage, they also have different senses. Um, And I would suggest that cringe humor, there's a lot of ways that people doing shameful things in the context of a joke does not carry shame. You know, so I'm thinking about I mean, I always think about Will Ferrell as the archetype for most jokes because he play or most like sort of performative styles of humor, both because it's kind of current reference. He's done a lot of stuff. And also he just does it so broadly and simply sometimes that he generates a lot of good examples. Right. But like, um, you know, there's all sorts of things he's done that are shameful. Right. Like when when in the classic Saturday Night Live sketch, when he yells like, I drive a Dodge Stratus. Right. And this is the idea that he's the sort of middle manager who hates his family and is like yelling at his his family to not have fun at the dinner table. Like his behavior is shameful. And like there I say even like traumatic, like it would be triggering to use another term that gets bandied about sometimes uh, if, if it were experienced in real life. But because it's being communicated in the context of joke that people are in on that, you know, uh, is it doesn't feel particularly threatening to too many people, then I don't think it's actually accrues as shame to Will Ferrell uh, that, you know, that 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 it is uh, that it is shameful. Right. Sure. Um, that's just the first one that comes to mind. But like, you know, all of the Tim, Tim Roberts, all of the I think you should leave stuff that he does. That's like so cringy. It, it's uh, it's I wouldn't necessarily describe it as cringe because it doesn't accrue any shame to him. Um, and, and, and I, I came up with, upon thinking this through four qualifiers for whether something is cringe or not. And I'll just, I'll just trot them out in brief without explaining them. And you can tell me whether you think this encapsulates it or not, or whether you can, whether you, there's a particular part of it you find interesting. So the first is that saying that something is cringe, uh, is ex- socially excluding and has a power of social exclusion on the person who's doing it. It, it is an insult Right. But it's an insult that that you, you say to somebody because there's somebody else there and and you as part of the sort of cooler group. Right. Are excluding the person who's doing the cringy thing. Right. Uh, or not. Yeah. Or not the cringy thing. The thing that is inspiring cringe. Right. So so there there has to be some form of social inclusion, which might just be implicit social inclusion by virtue of all being on a social media platform. It might be a sort of broad all to all parasocial relationship. Uh, of the sort that has to work its way into lexicon because it's a new sort of thing for people. But yeah, okay, that's number one, is that it comes from social exclusion, which implies social inclusion. Two, uh, it's embarrassing to the person that is doing the thing. You know, you, you did that thing and it is cringe, right? It, it is not like I'm, I'm, I might feel something that feels like embarrassment, but it's secondhand embarrassment. It's embarrassment on, beha- on your behalf because you are embarrassed. Uh, right. And, and so that's the second dimension of it is that there's a there's a sort of uh, identification that you're doing the embarrassing thing, uh, not me. And I'm having the sensation. And then the third one is that you have a certain amount of empathy or sympathy for the obliviousness or dramatic irony of the situation. You tend to call things cringe while they are happening before the person who is doing them is aware that they've embarrassed themselves if they ever find out. Right. I feel like cringe feels like a word you describe to something that's new. Um, and because uh, and, it's not if a person knows that they're embarrassed, it's not useful information. Like if somebody does something embarrassing and then they get totally humiliated and shamed for it and everyone makes fun of them for it for like three weeks, then and then all of a sudden you come around and say, yeah, that was cringe. Everyone's like, that's cringe. <laughs> like uh, the thing that you just said was cringe because you missed the point. The point is to point it out in this position of superiority that's reinforced by the obliviousness, the social obliviousness of the person doing it to the various, whether it's norms, whether it's, you know, uh, uh, aptitudes, whatever it is. And then four is that it is a modulator of status. Like when you call someone cringe, you are you are trying to lower their status and raise your status. Uh, and, and you are by in the sense of like you are presuming your status is already higher and theirs is already lower, which is uh, I guess you're trying to travel back in time and make yourself cooler than them. 
um, to, to because that's what this event just did, right? This event in the past made you cooler than them, and you're pointing out that there's like a status modulation. So those are my four my four things about cringe: uh, social exclusion, embe- secondhand embarrassment, uh, dramatic irony of obliviousness, and status modulation. Um, and so anything that doesn't fit those uh, isn't cr- is it, you wouldn't describe as that's cringe. Um, but something that fits all of them would be, would be cringe. That, that's what I would, so I'll give an example, right? Um, this morning, this was a very, it's a very intense thing that I, that I experienced this morning when I was uh, taking my daughter to swim class and I went through a strip mall on the way to the swim class place, which was just like a place with a pool and a strip mall. And there's a planet fitness on the sidewalk, you know, like, like you do all the, all the stores are on the sidewalk. There's a planet fitness. I walked by and it was, was like eight 30 in the morning and it was blasting 17 by winger out into a parking lot that had cars in it, but no people vast parking lot, nobody there. And it's just blasting winger, uh, winger 17, which nowadays is beyond problematic, right? It is, it is a song about a grown man, uh, uh, having sex with a 17 year old girl. Uh, it, it is, it is objectionable and shameful at this point, uh, to, to play that song publicly and endorse it. Uh, I found it to be a shameful moment and a surprising moment and kind of a shocking moment that they had that Planet Fitness in particular, which goes to so much trouble to be anodyne in its public image, was still playing this this song about uh, about this activity. Um, But I wouldn't have described it as cringe. Because I hate Planet Fitness, right? Like I I resent, I resent (laughs) the like. (laughs) I I am the lunk alarm fool. Like I'm the guy you hit the lunk alarm for. I go to the gym, I make a bunch of noise. I probably fart a bunch. I drop things, they make a bunch of noise. Except I'm not as strong as a lot of the lunks are. But like Planet Fitness doesn't want me there. I'm an expensive gym customer. I ask them lots of questions. I take all the classes. I do all the things, and I make a lot of noise. And I smell bad sometimes. And so because I feel this enmity for Planet Fitness, then saying it's cringe, there's no point. We have no social relationship. You're just bad, and I don't like you. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I don't think cringe would feel appropriate in that situation. Um, uh, so that's one example that comes to mind of like how I would define something as cringe or not. Okay, got um, it. So, so not cringe, cringe or not cringe. Yes. Uh, do, do you remember what was the – the Nickelodeon TV show that had Mark Summers going to the audience saying fair or unfair. Was it like kids court or something like that? <laughs> I yeah. remember that show in a long time. Kids, kids oh, court, fair or unfair. My mom makes me clean my room. Oh, kids, fair or unfair? Unfair. unfair. <laughs> cringe, cringe or not cringe or uncringe, you know? And you're, yeah. you're, you're claiming here that because of the lack of relationship, Right. Uh, that it's not, uh, that it's not cringe because you're not, you're not in a relationship. I mean, I, I, I guess the, the social media influenced answer would be that like, because the ultimate aim of social media is for every person to act like the public relations department for the corporation that (laughs) is tasked with performing that person's identity online. Right. We are all, uh, we are all, um, the, uh, we're all in relationship with every brand (laughs) all the, you know, all the time. Um, and that like, you don't want to be, you don't want to be in a relationship with, with Planet Fitness, but you, whether you want to or not, you, you are, um, but that, you know, that, that there's no, but there's no, what you're saying is that there's no social intercourse, right? Like it, there's no like social situation uh between you and planet fitness you just uh you just um are walking down the street and and they're you know blurring out a song about statutory rape on the uh on on the loudspeakers the fact there's nobody else there probably reinforces the idea of it not being a social do you you think do you think my daughter was asleep by the way what's up do you think they saw (laughs) you you coming you specifically And they're like, oh, he listened to Monsters of Rock in 1997. He must, <laughs> he must still like this. I guess 99 probably was more accurate. And it's like, he must still like this song. And it's like, dude, I was 17. <laughs> <laughs> it's different. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I think, yeah, they saw, me, they saw me coming and they did their best to keep me away. So that, that's their lunk alarm is just uh, play whatever is going to create objection. Well, but, but let me ask you guys a question then. You know, because you talk. So we've talked about Mulaney 
not necessarily being cringe in this respect. Right. Um, in the sense of talking about things that are shameful or embarrassing for him, because being open and vulnerable and like making jokes appropriately and sort of threading that needle with a certain sort with a certain uh, social intelligence, uh, it doesn't lead to secondhand embarrassment of that sort of right. the sort where you're 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 uh, you're kind of socially excluding him, uh, you know, um, and he's far from oblivious too, right? I mean, like, yeah. Again, it's to, to the credit of his uh, of him and his craft. Yes, how good exactly, he is at it. Exactly, exactly. Um, well, let me ask you this: What are some some thinking about other big events that have been happening in pop culture recently? <laughs> I'll ask you this: uh, King Charles the Third was recently crowned. <laughs> is the coronation cringe? This is the. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. It's embarrassing. It does. It, well, what? Wait. What part of it is embarrassing? I. I think it's. I. It's interesting. You can't. You can't even bring the British into to American conversations about humiliation and embarrassment because the British <laughs> are connoisseurs. Yeah. They are the like the three Michelin star chefs of humiliation and embarrassment. One of the reasons why the 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 British <laughs> office gives you some of that, you know, gives you some of the feelings that that uh that it gives you, you know. But I I was watching um it's not a thing I ever thought I would say in my life. I I was watching Michael Strahan commentate on the coronation. <laughs> and uh <laughs> and uh I I was led to um I, I was led I I I heard this real sentence this this real thing that that Michael Strahan said about the coronation Michael Strahan um said uh now this is the most sacred part of the coronation ceremony <laughs> And it's of course you're referring to the uh, the anointing. Well, map, I was right? doing the anointing. Yeah, you know it, it, you know what happens, is, right? They they bring up they bring up like privacy screens, you know, like uh like a you know, have you ever have you ever gone to the beach uh at a, at a place that doesn't have like adequate changing facilities and some people who go there a lot have these like pop-up tents? You know, that they, they carry in their car and they're like, just they're, you know, it's like Those a are cringe, man. Those are so cringe. <laughs> it's a pyramid. It's an obelisk. It's a, you know, it's like a, the Washington monument or something, the size of, a, you know, an adult human. And you step in, you know, uh, it screens you, you, you can change your clothes and then you, you step out and you have your bathing suit on or, you know, in reverse when you're going home. And that, uh, that's what they do. They construct that out of these like fantastic embroidered, <laughs> embroidered screens in the middle of the, you know, what is the place called where the 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 nave and the the transept intersect right like where the where the king is is sitting up near the up near the altar there right they they construct this you know uh charles strips off his majesty <laughs> takes you know his at least i think the top i don't you know i don't know what i, I guess just a a few uh few little bits from marks and spencer underneath you know, but like, uh, and he is anointed with oil. That is to say, they perform a rubdown uh, in the style of a of a Russian bath. <laughs> you know, in the 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 like really intense sauna where you get a uh, you know you get uh, rubbed down with olive oil, and then they then they like. Um, uh, what they hit you with with eucalyptus switches, you know. Now they don't do the hitting part. At least they don't show that part on uh, on TV. That's not. That's not. I'm not. I'm not saying that the coronation is a uh, you know a, a strange sadomasochistic ritual. I, I would never say that. Not to, to, even, to round out the context, right? Like it, not even for comedic hidden, effect. The, it, the whole thing is like you know he's hidden from view because that is the most. Uh, it is considered to be. By someone, I don't know who, the most sacred part of the ceremony, right? Such that us mere commoners cannot gaze upon it. Yeah, uh, by, by, Mark, right, so by, it's like that. That's so he's trying to convey, like, you know, some aspect of, I'm not even gonna say truth, but just like that. It's part of the established mythos of the coronation, right? Mark, so he's not pulling this crap out of thin air, right? I, Mark, I don't the, think he is. The person, the person who uh, said that was a one-time defensive end for the New York Giants, Michael Strahan. I, I really love the presupposition that Michael Strahan Strahan improvised all his commentary on the on the coronation that they just gave him. No, a they chair all like I, I watched the coronation <laughs> in in like YouTube video clips. I watched it like context free in like forty five seconds, and they all like every broadcast 
broadcast network said, now this is the most sacred yeah. part <laughs> of the, the coronation. Yeah, and right. now yeah, this yeah, was, yeah. this was for me the, so, okay. So what's going on? Yes. Is the anointing with oils. And there's like a, it's a religious ritual because it's the time that like he sort of steps into his role as the head of church of England, you know, like the, the kind of the well-known CGP gray video about, um, about the British monarchy, right? Like God uh, is in charge of everything, but, uh, you know, needs to outsource a little bit. And so vests temporal authority in the crown, right? Like this is at least the, th- the theory of it, this sort of great chain of being divine right of Kings kind of, uh, kind of theory of, of, uh, you know, this monarchy, right? And so the monarch is, you know, the head of the church, the head of the church of England and the, um, and the, the head of state for the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth, I guess. So that, that's like the, um, you know, that, and that, at that moment when this like religious ritual, d- deeply symbolic, you know, religious thing, anointing with oil, which means you pour some oil on someone and the, uh, <laughs> you hit them with eucalyptus. Um, right. Like that this, that this moment is the moment when the actual divine transformation happens to be king. So it's, it happens out of view of the public and stuff like this. And, uh, you know, American football players say this is the most sacred part of the, you know, of the, the coronation ceremony. Now, the thing that's cringe to me, right, is d- uh, dozens of American television commentators pretending to be Anglican. Yeah. <laughs> that's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's the like, uh, and, and there, it's, it's almost kind of like, uh, when you get into the like, oh, you have to kind of perform a certain kind of reverence for people's religious beliefs, right? But I'm not even sure. Well, I don't know. I, I, Elizabeth II was a very committed Christian, right? Uh, she talked about it every Christmas. Um, I always enjoyed listening to her talk about uh, the Christmas message and stuff. And, and, uh, the, uh, but like, I, like, I'm, I'm not sure who we're, we're, we're pretending to care about these people's beliefs that they're pretending to believe, you know? And it's like, and that's the, uh, but it has to be performed with, with such reverence. And to me, like I was watching that and, and I just thought like, okay, this is cringe, right? Because like it, it makes me, I think the social context of, of the embarrassment is important, right? Like I wouldn't want to be seen countenancing this you know uh, this is another way to say actually this is, the, i think with with cringe the social context of the embarrassment is important it's not like you know um hey i'm embarrassed for liking john mulaney even though he's talking about these these uh unpleasant things like actually the choice of of unpleasant things to talk about uh, like you know really actual legitimately difficult times in his life uh is an artistically strong choice and he does it with with aplomb and and with skill and with his mm-hmm. you know unique uh savoir-faire but um uh like i don't know i wouldn't want to be seen enjoying joe rogan you know like that that would be the social context of that like i it's important to me that people not think I'm a, or, or like, I don't know, maybe a slightly less charged example would, would help me more. Like, you know, your racist grandpa, well, I don't know if your racist grandpa is, but one, the proverbial racist grandpa, you know, like racist grandpa is cringe. Uh, the, it, Calling him cringe, it establishes in-grouping and out-grouping. So there's the aspect of social inclusion. It's embarrassing. I feel embarrassed by some of the things, you know, the some of the things that that racist grandpa comes out with. Uh, there's uh, an obliviousness to it, and there is status uh, involved. But I feel like, I mean, I feel like two two other things are are important there. Like the the social the social exclusion is not just I'm trying to outgroup my racist grandpa. It's that I'm afraid. There's anxiety, right? Like I'm afraid of being outgrouped if I am aligned. And so it's very, it's important to me to, to, uh, distinguish, um, myself, right? 
uh, from my racist grandpa. So there, there are two things. One is that there's like a, there's like an appeal to an adjudicating authority, right? That says like, like that, that this is bad or like there's a power claim about like, you know, this is, this is a bad thing. It's not, uh, not exactly a power claim. There's a, there's a ontological claim or an ethical claim, right? Like that's, that's bad. And then the other thing is that you're behaving as though there's an audience watching you do this and that it's, that it's, uh, right. That it's sort of necessary. And so when I was watching the, when I was watching the, the, coronation and um right and and like all these people were kind of going at it in a in a particular way like yeah okay it's popular uh, you know they were hitting each other with eucalyptus <laughs> switches there's flap 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 the oil the sacred chrism just flying out from behind the screen what's going on uh what's going on back there um if you've never, yeah, uh, I don't know, Russian bats, um, right? Like I, I was feeling like, oh, I was feeling a little bit anxious about, like, about this, like, oh, like I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be associated with this, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't want to be like, I, I don't want to be like, okay, now, 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 Matt's the monarchist, you know, <laughs> now Matt's all into. <laughs> anointing with sacred chrism <laughs> and like, you know, being reverent about Anglicanism. Um, you know, I, I, so I don't know if any of this Fantasia has anything for you to dig into no, no. or, or uh, I, jump I, off from, but like, yes, for me, the coronation was cringe. I think it's, if we go back to the, the, the whole, like the notion of being in the audience creates enough of that social relationship. Huh. It's like it's like really interesting, right? Go back to Pete's Planet Fitness example. <laughs> right? Like Pete just was not really. It's for all intents and purposes, Pete was not really the audience for um, the music blasting out of there. You know, it, it, it helps Pete that you were you know still inside your car. I think you were driving past it. No, no, no. Right? Well, I was walking. Past you're walking. Yeah. You're walking past it. Okay, but like it, it, it feels different, right? You're kind yeah. of walking past a store in the mall. There's not maybe it's like at, at that early in the morning. There's not a lot of people around, um, but like. Uh, you know, you know, if somebody in your community were walking by, they could see you, right? Or the the Planet Fitness uh, store owner could, you know, could be inside there and uh, walking, watch, watching you go by. You know, you a member of the same community, but it's somehow different than what we're talking about. And the two examples we had here, right? Is that Matt is the television audience um, watching Michael Strahan, and then um, you know any number of instances where you know, online, right. As we consume social media content, we are an audience, um, and, and we witness things and we, we, we feel like we have enough that establishes enough connection for us to feel cringe and to label something as cringe. It's like, it's oddly tenuous and very disconnected and yet like extremely intimate at the same time. Yeah. Am I talking about parasocial relationships kind of? Well, that I think that's on one here? way that it manifests. I think using the term inf- intimate, is is uh, I think interesting and appropriate because I would disagree that your racist grandpa is cringe. I I did not. I mean, granted, I don't. I never. Re- I didn't really experience that um, per se in the sense that like I had a grandpa I really liked, but he died when I was like six. Yeah, no, my my and, my. They're not my grandparents. I died. I I was trying to like come up with a type. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and I had another grandpa, but like I saw him on certain holidays. He just never really talked a ton when we were talking, and he would say things that were embarrassing. He would say things that were cringe, but it wouldn't have been the things that he said that were like, you know, hateful in that respect. Um, And part of it is that I think the overwhelming feeling in those moments is like, wow, these people, there's such a huge gulf between me and this other person. Like, there's just no way for me to traverse this distance. I've experienced it with other people. And it's just like, man, I, I don't feel connected to you at all. Uh, but maybe that's also me and my own you know, desire to be connected with people. Uh, you know, kind of glomming on to, to relationships very closely. Um, but but the idea that having some degree of intimacy. So so here's so with the coronation, the way that I would translate this to coronation is it's fitting that the commentary about the coronation is more cringe than the coronation itself. Uh, and, and although you could also argue that the commentary about the coronation is the coronation, that's the crown that's being put in this guy is everybody mm. has to pay attention and talk about it. But that's that's also a sort of notional thing. Um the coronation ceremony, I think, for Charles King Charles III, was notable in its refusal to uh, appeal in any way to contemporary sensibility. Mm. Right? Like he, he just pretty much did it. And again, I didn't follow it that closely, but every picture I saw looked like cosplay, right? Or just like we put we pulled out the old antiques 
and we did the thing. And it was more like, this is the thing that I've wanted to do my whole life. And I know that this is 20 years later than anyone cares about it, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I get to wear this hat and I get to ride in this coach, you know, and like, and like the look on my face says that at some point in the past, I would have been really excited and happy about it. But at this point, it kind of sucks. But you know what? I'm still doing it. The point being that, like, imagine that. So the point of the coronation of these symbols, I would suggest, is not necessarily strictly religiously devotional, in part because Europeans doing these things to signify kingship postdates Christianity by hundreds of years. Right. Like uh, like like the adoption of these symbols from, you know, when like, you know, uh, Saul is anointed by the prophet Samuel. Uh, right, I believe, um, uh, and or like when uh, is it was with the birthright and the bowl of food and so all of the anointings of kings that happen in the Bible, like the presumption that that's going to happen to the king of England or the UK or whatever in 2023 is like a big leap that that's something that's like at all necessary, um, and and so I, at some point they did those things because they were sincerely affecting to people who were dwelling in that cultural space who were reading the Bible all the time, who were like very, very into the minutia of the details of the ritual and pageantry of their religious services, as well as the descriptions that were in the books, you know, so like, oh man, you know, it's this flower, it's this incense and it's, and it's like, oh, it's an orb and it's a staff and, and these mean these things and like, oh, I'm totally feeling this, right? Um, I don't I don't think that the coronation ceremony inspires nowadays a great deal of uh, emotional intimacy with its performance per se. And I think that they could have made the choice to do that. They could have made the choice because it's like the point is like, oh, that person is now. the. I mean, I'm thinking about like the Elizabeth movie when they reveal her white face. And there's this sense that they that she has sort of put on the monarchy, right? She's put on the crown. She's assumed this alternative identity. And now the performance of it is creating this sensation, this sort of audience and performer relationship that's creating this social force that's going to be this real social thing for everybody, even though it's it's grounded in this artifice. Uh, you know, it's going to feel real and people are going to act in accordance with it being real. Um I don't know if I don't think the coronation does that. I correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think it does it for a lot of people outside, certainly not outside the UK. Um, and they could try if you wanted to crown a king like we do that all the time. If you were to do a show where you were going to try to crown yourself king, Mr. Kanye West, how would you do it? Right. Like, what would you do in your show to really inspire the degree of awe? Right. And this sort of uh, the sort of ritualized symbolism that would connect within the minds of the people that you're, you know, that you're doing this with all this other stuff. I mean, I guess to an extent, coronations are all obsolete after fascism when it all just went postmodern, but like, yeah, um, but Peter, I think, I think step one, right. For my crowning myself. I, and I love this. I love that. We're yeah. talking about how I'm going to crown myself. King For step sure. one. It's about time. I mean, yeah, right. I've been, I, you know, I know y'all been waiting. Hey, <laughs> hey guys, I've been watching you a lot of YouTube. Hey guys, I know a lot of you have been asking about my morning routine for crowning myself king. And I just want to, you know, um, like one step one is have 15 years of history of hereditary monarchy, uh, you know, and, and, uh, you know, do that. I mean, if I would like crown myself the first king, I, I guess it would be like, uh, you know, I guess it would be Black Panther style. I guess it would be like whoever like the strongest dude is who shows up at the lake. One, <laughs> if, you one wanted, day. if you wanted to crown yourself king, you would find someone somewhat weaker than you and insist they fight you in a ritualized combat. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, then I'd be at least the king of that person. And then I could expand from there, right. you know, like right. it grows exponentially. Um, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is like they could have done a Balenciaga coronation. They could have <laughs> modernized it, right? And that would have been cringe. Like that would have been they, so cringe. They could have gotten the announcer um, to say "Your Chicago Bulls" and needles <laughs> drop serious by the Allison po- Alan Parsons product project. Yeah. I mean, our inaugurations aren't that different. And when I think about the inauguration, I think of you know the poem. I think of Garth Brooks. I think hmm. I think mostly I think the biggest moment in the inauguration for me was when they were flying the drones around 
and 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 Joe Biden like leans down to like his granddaughter or something, and I think he says like, "How the hell do they do that?" <laughs> like you see him move his mouth, and I'm like, "Okay, that's the that, that's his like performance of being the like grandfather of the country, right?" That's the sort of symbol of what his station is in the sort of monarchical sense of like mysticism and associated with you know sort of enshrining and ritualizing social relationships for like a large group of people uh, through like mass media and stuff. Um, uh, as, as, as such. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I feel like if they'd updated, if he'd showed up in like a prim black suit and put on like a platinum band, right. That had been made only with like cruelty free diamonds. Yeah. Except that that would not be like, you know, wearing a crown wouldn't be relevant. Like you'd have to like strip it down to a king. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, that's what I'm saying. What's a God to a Michael Strahan. (laughs) This is the most sacred part of the Kanye West song. but it's that the like, part where he calls himself God, which he does in most of them. You know, it uh, would be like it would be like uh, you know, I I don't know. It it would not be getting a crown. It would be like being presented with the diamond Amex or something like that. Like what you know, you'd need a <laughs> you need a what like what is a status? What is a status symbol that you know? Um, right, like uh, uh, signifies dominion over things that people have, um, you know, that people have today. Like, I, what would he be crowned with an NFT? <laughs> you know, like, what, Just to prove his wealth, is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly, right? Like, and, and like, uh, so what, it, I think it actually is kind of interesting. Um, you know, I, I had a half a second uh, where, you know, because I got married recently, I was thinking like, um, what would be like all, all of these traditions that are part of a wedding are all archaic, you know, uh, many of them archaic, uh, like the, the traditions that go at a coronation. And these are things that like were, um, you know, important to some people, highly symbolic and like, yeah. and everyone agreed what the symbolism was. And like, you know, we, we did a pretty stripped down thing, but it included, uh, some of these things. And I, I thought, you know, a little while after, after becoming engaged to be married, like, well, what if we like stripped all that away and found some like, uh, found some novel or modern way to kind of try to do some of the same things that we, you know, that, that go into marriage. And uh, this didn't go anywhere because like, A, you know, I, I kind of couldn't be bothered and B, my wife did not want to make our wedding into a piece of alienating performance art. Uh, whereas, <laughs> well, you, you know, know. Where, I mean, whereas I would have been down, <laughs> yeah, you know, I would have oh, yeah. been down, but the, you know, but that, that like I, I was sort of thinking and it was, it was sort of interesting to think about a little bit, right? Like it would be like, it, it would be like sh- the sharing of the phone passwords or something like that, you know, <laughs> like the, the, like, you know, I don't know the, the, like the ritual throwing out of like half of our dishes, like picking who has the better, who has the better mugs, you know, who has the better plates, who has the better cutlery. And that like, that, that would be, um, that that would be what we, uh, that, that would be what we did. But like, it's interesting to think, like, to, if you showed up in a nice suit and it wasn't all, yeah, it wasn't all like ermine lined silk robes and stuff like that, stuff that was, you know, the height of fashion in, you know, 1548 or whatever, but is not super relevant to, uh, not super relevant today. Like, that is an interesting, you know, what's the, what's the, it's it's like nuns, right? Like nuns are nuns are are dressed as Italian widows, you know, with the wimple and the the black dress and and things like this. But it's become a costume, you know, to the point where there are orders of uh, orders of of you know women religious who dress in a contemporary way, in a kind of contemporary non ostentatious way, in the way that like sort of dressing as an Italian widow was supposed to remove these these people from. Uh, a certain kind of of social commerce. I don't know. I'm I'm not I I'm not so down, Pete, as as you seem to be on the idea of like you know remaking it remaking it for modern times. Like you know, I'm just saying with Prince Charles making I mean King Charles under that circumstance would probably be more cringe than what he did. <laughs> like like specifically him. I, I wanted to say like specifically if it's if it's Charles now. And he's like, I want to be the cool king. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> right. Like, that just seems like it would be terrible. Although I would say that, like, to the extent that the British monarchy in particular has anything to recommend it, um, I would suggest that 
using this degree of of symbolism and specificity to thoroughly lock down this job so that nobody actually dangerous can have it because these people are like not really dangerous. <laughs> like it's, it's like because and then you lock down these people so thoroughly that they can't really do anything too bad, uh, like on a, on a large scale. Right. And let's they can all do things on a small scale. But um, but like uh, that's sort of the point. Right. Like uh, I mean, that's that's how I learned the uh, the restoration <laughs> which was basically like, oh, man, it turns out that if we elect the person in charge, they can do whatever they want. Whereas if it's the king, they have charters they have to follow and they have to follow rules. Right. Like uh, if we just have one parliament, and it's just a majority vote then they can take everything away. The idea being that Magna Carta depends on there being a king to like to, to give up the rights. Right. Because uh, if there's no king, then there's nobody to give them up. Uh, and it's like, oh, OK, like to that extent. That that the constitutional monarch serves as like a uh, a backstop against some other head of state um, taking on all the pageantry of being the god king and whatnot. Uh, then that might be the purpose that they serve in contemporary constitutional monarchies. Although like, there's all sorts of stuff. Being American, we just don't understand. Sure. I was I was like, thinking about like this, where, like very right after he's uh, crowned, right after the he's anointed and, and crowned. Um, the first person that does that, you know, uh, swears fealty to him is the prince of wales right and Mm. i i was thinking about this it's like why is this and it's like oh it's so he doesn't kill his father yeah that's like a legit concern in this line of work (laughs) yeah exactly right (laughs) that's like like the number one it's like occupational hazards it's like asbestos like smoking (laughs) mesothelioma patricide being murdered for your position by your your second eldest son, ironically, more likely than your eldest son. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, definitely. And, and then also slips and falls are also a big deal. <laughs> it's a, they yeah, got to no. really mop those floors and dry them off because everyone's wearing heels tonight. Oh, yeah. We're doing it the old fashioned way. No, jokes Jokes um, have, have left the room. A, a fall is one of the worst things that can happen to an older person, you know, because like, oh, yeah. they lead to all kinds of, uh, all kinds of oh, bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have gallows humor about occupational injury because that's what I work in. And so, like, I probably shouldn't use it a lot, but it's like that I work with that stuff like accidents and stuff. And it's like, oh, man, you have to joke about it sometimes, but you're not really, yeah. It's not really funny. Yeah. It's just more like, oh, my God, we have to do this. Like, please mop the floor, dry it off. I've seen videos, people dry up the floor, put up signs. It's so important. There's so many things that are so important <laughs> that are like people don't think are important. You know, like, you know, put on a handrail on the staircase, right? Like, make sure the handrail is like perm- like very firmly and sturdily affixed. Uh, you know, you know what's cringe is lax. Uh, occupational. <laughs> occupational health well, and safety. That's a good example. <laughs> a, an occupational health and safety training video, right? Like, uh, uh, is I would say they could be pretty bad, but are often not cringe because there's like an actual threat that you're really going to die. Like, if if they go into the things that could really kill you, then they can stop. Like, like training videos that don't actually take the risk of communicating to you like the bad outcomes of what could happen can get really cringe where it's just sort of like we all live by, you know, the code and the code says that we have to have values and the values say that we have to be nice and like, and like make sure that you're living by the nice values and code. Uh, You know, tell me, tell me what could actually go wrong. You know, like give me the one where it's like call an ambulance, but not for me, you know, (laughs) like show me the, show me what's at stake and and be willing to put that on the line. And then you're, you're not going to be as cringe. All right, um, we've yeah. uh, we've we've uh, arrived. We probably are, are winding down. We've arrived at oh. the end of our conversation. Of we have we haven't even gotten. We got to sus and cringe. We didn't even get to mid. Uh, you know that's Mark. Some, I'm sorry, you had so much to say about the British monarchy. <laughs> silence. Mark, nothing Mark, but silence. Nothing but silence. There, there might be something going on in Mark's end of the Mark's end of the call. But but just yes, to recap, raging anti-imperialism, I think, is what. It's called. <laughs> oh, I was I was struggling to come off of mute. I was going to say that um, we entered the workplace conversation, and that is the hotbed of American cringe. Okay. Oh yes, that is oh, absolutely yes. where cringe reigns, and it's it's it's. it's in one way, it is regrettable that we were not able to dive in there, but also perhaps for the best. So, so as you know, uh, we'll get in trouble with our employers. No, oh, I, yeah, no I don't want to get in trouble. With I really. But I also want to take real risks seriously, even if you look stupid. Um, but anyway, sorry. So, uh, as as we've determined, uh, John Mulaney not cringe. <laughs> Michael Strahan 
perma cringe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Seventeen by Winger, <laughs> cringe. Well, I mean, Planet if you're, Fitness. If you're singing it. Yeah. Planet, Planet Fitness. Fitness is, Planet Fitness is mid. <laughs> <laughs> Planet Fitness is sus, but it's also mid, <laughs> and it's problematic, <laughs> and it's basic. <laughs> All right. Well, um, you know, and and uh, but and American commentary on on the coronation, uh, the uh, the the cringest of all. Even though Charles now is in charge. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Pete and Mark for podcasting with me. We'll be back next week with more Over Mitting It podcast. Till then, visit us on the web at overthinkingit.com where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably, it probably doesn't, doesn't deserve. deserve. I've never been more certain than 80s TV was made by time travelers than finding out that Cringer, of course, is the name of the giant tiger that He-Man rides around shirtless. <laughs>